Okay, we are, uh, we're looking at Ecclesiastes together, um, and uh, we did a big intro, a little bit to Ecclesiastes, but really more to wisdom literature, because Ecclesiastes is in the Old Testament wisdom literature, along with Proverbs. Uh, it's just Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Job. Some people throw Song of Solomon in there. Uh, and wisdom literature is, tr- is asking the question, what does it look like to live the good life in the world as it really is? What should my expectations be? What should my expectations of God be? What does it look like to follow the path of wisdom? Um, so we, dis- we discussed a lot of that. Um, and what I've said is uh, I refuse for this to kind of be, you know, whatever, 25 more minutes of me just kind of running my mouth. So I'm trying to have some discussion time uh, so that we can grapple with things. Uh, so the resources, I'm going to show these every time. Um, a guy named Zach Aswan, he's a professor at uh, Covenant Seminary. That's my main te- book I'm pulling from. Then these people called The Bible Project, who are awesome. Uh, they do stuff on every book of the Bible. And then there's this old paper uh, called on Ecclesiastes. So that is where it's pulling from. This is Evan England, former student. Look at him just serving. So, um, And this is, uh, this is the picture I drew of what I think the Ecclesiastes man looks like. Uh, he's smoking a cigarette. He's... Uh, questioning everything that you think you know, um, and let me read for us. I did, I did. <laughs> Thank you, Ward. Uh, uh, I can draw some cartoons. So. Hey, you know, I, I'll draw you next time, Ward. I'm going to draw Ward up there. So. <laughs> um, so, imagine him, right, going... Here it is, verse 1 through 3. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What does, get, what does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? So those three verses really kind of, right, we did wisdom literature and Ecclesiastes, how it fits into it. Now we're going to really introduce Ecclesiastes and the big theme. So what I want to do is get you all like we did last week. We're just going to do this for like five minutes. If you can read that, I hope you can. I want you people around you to discuss these four questions, or if you just want to pick one or two. Um, The first question is this, the preacher of Ecclesiastes, it either is Solomon himself, okay, or it's wisdom that was accumulated over the years uh, through different people and experiences and told through the perspective of Solomon. It is God's word. And so the first question is, like, what do you know about Solomon and why might he be a person to learn from as he, as, as he seeks wisdom and searches for wisdom in this world, okay? Second question is, you'll see, we read it, that phrase, under the sun, it's going to be said a lot. That is just a word picture to describe the world as it really is. Like taking just an unbridled view of the world that we live in, okay? So what are words that you think of when you think, okay, this is the world I live in, this is what it's like? That, that's, that's what he talks about under the sun. Third question. Um, the big question is, what am I gaining from all of my toil, all this stuff I'm working for, whether that's relationships, knowledge, work, possessions? Um, if you can even think about yourself or if you deserve the world, what are people trying to figure out? What is it that people are seeking in everything that we're doing, even yourself? And then lastly... This phrase occurs at least 38 times, vanity of vanities. Um, it's the Hebrew word hevel, okay? And the Hebrew word hevel literally is the word for vapor or smoke. 
Um, so think like if you're outside on a cold day and that, you know, that breath comes out and you can kind of see it. Um, so how is that word vapor or smoke? Like how is that a metaphor for what life in this world is like? Okay. What does that image do for you? All right. So, and if you don't know the person around you, introduce yourself, take about uh, five minutes, three or four minutes, discuss one or two of those because we're going to come back to them. So, All right, all right. I'm going to come back uh, to a few of these and uh, get, get some of your answers as we walk through them. Um, yeah, this, this is a test. Uh, okay, so remember, Ecclesiastes is, is wisdom books making you say, okay, what is the good life? What does it look like to live wisely in this world as it really is? What should my expectations be? Um, and so think about... Uh, because I think this is a little bit how Ecclesiastes works. Think about It's a Wonderful Life, maybe with, about George Bailey. I, I think it's one of four or five movies that makes me cry every time I see it. Uh, another one's Hoosiers. Uh, there's a few other ones we can talk about. But, um, right, George Bailey, he is, he is in Bedford Falls, and he's just he's frustrated because this place that he lives in, you know, the same old knob falls off the, you know, falls off the staircase, uh, he's with, been with one woman so long. It's the same old job, same enemies, and he just, he's just tired of this kind of rickety old Bedford Falls, right? And what, what you start realizing is he thinks real life, real satisfaction, real purpose, kind of the answer to the big questions in life, they will not be found in rickety old Bedford Falls. You know, far. I got to get out. <laughs> I got to get out of here. That's where the answer to life's big questions is. And what Ecclesiastes is saying is don't bind to George Bailey's law. That's what we all think. We all think that real purpose and real joy and all the life's answers to the big questions are going to somehow be out, out there, different from, from this ordinary broken life I live in. Ecclesiastes is going to say, actually, it's here. It's in the world that you know. It's in this, this place uh, under the sun that is really messed up. It has joy, but also is broken. That's where you'll find real wisdom. That's where you'll find real joy. You don't have to escape. And so he does it by, um, by introducing himself to you, right? The perspective. Uh, again, it's either Solomon himself or it's all this wisdom that's been accumulated through time that is as if it's Solomon, as if he would have said it. It's still God, it is God's word. Um, but he's, right, we've read verse 1 already, but this is verse 12 and 13, and he says, I, the preacher, have been king over Israel and Jerusalem, and I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. I've seen everything that is done under the sun. So this is the perspective that the preacher of Ecclesiastes is inviting you into. It's either Solomon or somebody like her. He says, I have sought it all out. I've done everything. So, What'd you say? What do you know about Solomon and why might he be a good teacher of someone of what it looks like to live in this world and to seek everything out? What'd, you, what'd y'all come up with? Good. Yeah, Solomon's big moment is when he can pray for anything. He actually asked the Lord for wisdom, which means he's recognizing that wisdom is not something that's natural to us. It's something that God imparts to us. That's his, that's his big moment. And he makes him the wisest man in, a, in, all the, you know, in all the world at the time. Yeah, so Solomon, by definition, is wisdom. Uh, now, Jesus ultimately is wisdom personified, but that's why Jesus will say someone greater than Solomon is here talking about himself. 
But in the Old Testament, uh, he, Solomon is incredibly wise. He asked for it. What else? Anything else? Yes. His wealth, is, it was just astounding. So again, like, if I was to, to, to sit up here and say, hey, look, believe me, fame will not satisfy you. You'd be like, <laughs> Brian, you're like, uh, you're an associate pastor in a small college town in one of the smallest denominations in the world. Nobody knows who you are. Nobody cares. And I'd be like, you're right. <laughs> right? But if I was like, hey, Taylor Swift wants to tell you that fame does not satisfy, you'd be like, okay, I'll listen to that. Or uh, Chip and Joanna Gaines. I, I got friends who live uh, um, in Waco, and they said actually it's really sad. They said they used to see them at like baseball practices and things like that. They said now you never see them because they've gotten so famous. They can't even go to church anymore because they're just a distraction. And so if they wanted to stand up and say, I'm going to tell you, fame won't satisfy you, you might be like, I'd be interested. And so again, if I said money won't satisfy, you'd be like, whatever. But if Solomon, who I promise had more wealth than you and I, probably than everybody in this room, is going to tell you that wealth won't satisfy, he actually kind of has the experience to tell you that. If Solomon wants to tell you that, like, love and sex won't satisfy, you realize, like, he had over 300 wives. That's not good, but, but, but he's kind of like, I've done it all. So it, it, you almost got to imagine, imagine you're... Um, uh, you know, you go for a, a World War II tour and you get a tour of Auschwitz. Imagine on the one hand you get a tour of Auschwitz from a, uh, from a historian who knows all the facts and he really does, walks you through, tells you the facts, tells you what happened here. You would be learning something and it'd all be correct. But imagine if you took a tour of Auschwitz with an Auschwitz survivor. That would be a little bit different experience. They, in some ways, they tell you the same facts, but you would feel it differently. Because you were hearing their story, you were hearing their experience. That's what Solomon, or this wisdom that is kind of put in Solomon's mouth, this is how it's coming to you. This is the perspective. I'm, t I'm telling you as someone who has walked this road. You, you, can, you can hear someone who has experienced this world more than you and I have. Uh, and it's been a long road, and he's speaking out of that very practical place. And it's a long, sought-out research. And then, right... Uh, here's in, in Ecclesiastes 1, 2, and 3, which we've already read, right? Vanity of vanity, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What does man gain by all the tool at which he tools under the sun? If you're an English writer or whatever, and you know, if you, you know introduction is supposed to prepare us for the subjects and themes that you're going to encounter. And this is what he does here. This is the big theme. He, he, his big theme is this. Everything is vanity. Everything is like vapor. Everything is basically meaningless because the gain that we seek does not exist under the sun, all right? That's his message. Now, actually, that's a very, what's interesting is that's a, that's a, that is full of meaning. <laughs> to tell you what is meaningless is actually incredibly a meaningful thing because he's going to tell you where you can find real meaning. But he has to walk through the vanity of vanities of, of the whole experience. And he says, if you try to find gain under the sun in this world as it is, you will find that everything is, is actually vanity. And so I'm just going to work backwards. And again, I know we started late, so if we don't get through it all, that's okay. Um, first, 
so think vanity, what gain under the sun? I'm going to start with under the, under the sun, okay? Um, oops, scratch that. Um, okay, what, what words did y'all describe, anybody, if, if he's using under the sun to describe the world as it is right now, what, what words did you describe what the world is like to live in right now? Anybody? Broken? What else? What was that? Troubled? Thank you, Mr. Sam. Good to see you back, Mr. Sam. Anything else? Blind to sin. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah. It's still beautiful. It's still fascinating. Uh, it still is good, and it's riddled with all kind of pain and all kind of disappointment. Um, uh, there really is a beautiful sun and beautiful weather at a football game that you're like, I can't believe this is September. This is awesome. And uh, there are also hurricanes uh, and flooding going on at the same time. Uh, and so when it talks about under the sun, this is what we've always got to remember about the world that God made. Is back in Genesis 1, when God made the world, everything was good. Under the sun meant brimming with life. Under the sun meant uh, everything working like it's supposed to, plants, animals, sun, moon, Adam and Eve, everything living together in harmony, paradise, without turmoil, without death, all that. That was what under the sun in Genesis 1 and 2 meant. But the world we live in, after Genesis 3, when Adam sins and everything breaks, Romans 8, it's interesting, Romans 8 describes the world under the sun as this. You can go read Paul. He, he calls it subjected to futility, in bondage to corruption, longing to be set free. He calls it a place that is groaning. So that's the context that Ecclesiastes explores wisdom in this world. He's like, it's the same real world that you and I live in, which on the one hand, just like the Sanford said, have great joys, like babies are born, like incredible great cups of coffee with friends, like hugs from your family, the smell of honeysuckle, like honeysuckle is unbelievable, right? That smell is amazing. All that is really there. It's, an, it's a wonderfully, ma almost magical world. And, and it's a world where there's a lot of women that want to get pregnant that can't. And, uh, and where the same water that brings life also destroys towns and hurricanes and floods. And families that, 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 that you want to hug are actually split apart. And death is real. It's the... I just want to encourage you that the Ecclesiastes, the wisdom that it's imparting under the sun, is actually the real world that you and I live in. Um, I don't care if you've seen the, the Barbie movie. It's okay if you don't ever go see it. But for those that saw it, I'm going to tell you this. This is, I'm making no recommendation. This is one of the good things that, that, this, mar, that this movie shows you. This movie shows you some, a, a woman, Barbie, a doll, that steps out of a fantasy world and steps into the real world under the sun, and you know what she finds? It's hard to be a woman in this world. She also finds it's hard to be a man in this world. She realizes that the fantasy world is much easier to live in than this world. That actually is a really good message. And Ecclesiastes doesn't pull any punches and says, yeah, that's what this world is like. And that's where real wisdom will meet you in. So that's the whole under the sun. Then uh, he asks, what does man gain? Right? Oh, sorry, I keep going ahead. Um, uh, I won't ask this because I've got to watch your time, but the word gain is, is said within the context of this preacher, the Solomon-like figure, 
searching to find meaning in this life, to find an answer to all the why questions that we ask. Why is there evil? Why did suffering happen? All this kind of stuff. And he's saying, look, I'm about to impart a lot of wisdom through this book, but you need to know that in my search of all this money and all this time and all these relationships, trying to gain an understanding, trying to gain a sense of this is who I am, this is my purpose, the, all my questions are getting answered. He's saying, in this world, as you live, simply here, he's saying, man, trying to gain in that way, he's going to say it actually ends up meaningless. And I, I just, again, I want to encourage you because I think if you're honest, the Solomon-like figure is asking the question that runs through all of us. All of us, when we go to work on Monday, or when we have a difficult day with our kids, or when we look at a family that's broken apart, or when you interact with suffering, or, or even when you go on a great vacation and it ends and three days later your family's fighting again, you're like, ah, like all of us at some point think, what was the, like, what is the purpose in this? <laughs> Why am I doing this? Why am I, why am I doing all these things? Why am I building wealth? Why, like, if you've never stopped and asked that question, I, I, I think you're just numbing yourself to, the, to, to, to reality. And so he's going to ask the question for you. What is the purpose in all this? What, what is the gain in everything that I'm doing? And his conclusion is if, if you're seeking to find gain, meaning, satisfaction, purpose, an overarching explanation for why stuff happens in this world, why God does what he does, in this world that's filled with death and violence and seemingly chance, he says it's hevel. It's vapor. It's like smoke. What would what, you say? How does that picture of uh, vapor or smoke, how is that similar to uh, kind of your experience in this world? What, what did y'all say? Why is that a powerful picture? Okay. You're saying, yeah, there's this, in, boom, there's this emptiness, this kind of um, disintegration of things uh, that we do if it's not connected to Jesus. Good, right? And you think about Think about if you have a warm cup of coffee on a, on a cold morning and you drink it and your breath is kind of warm and that comes out. It's real. That breath is real. You can really see it. It's not, it's not saying that these things aren't real, but it's saying it vanishes pretty quickly. It's elusive. If you try to grab it, it's elusive. Uh, it doesn't really have the substance. It fades away. Um, and so he's saying, look, all these things that we're going to talk about, money and fame and uh, whatever, the times, he said, all oh, those are real. It's not that you need to deny that. Um, it's just if you try to hold on to them to be the key to meaning and the, and the key to kind of answer all life's big questions and to find your purpose, it's always going to feel like vapor. It's always going to feel like you're grasping and it's kind of, kind of fading away because... Those things were not made for that purpose. So, I don't know why I thought of this. When I was a kid, <clears throat> um, my parents are actually here. Uh, I grew up in Jackson, and uh, I played way too many video games in my life. Uh, the amount of Nintendo, like regular NES games that I had is kind of embarrassing. Uh, 
And I can remember when, for the first time, this thing called Electric City was being built off of I-55, Cowboy Maloney's. And my brother and I thought Electric City meant video games. So we watched it being built the whole time. We went on opening day <laughs> to go find video games. And all it was was like washing machines and dryers and TVs. It was one of the most disappointing days of my little childhood. Now look, the problem was an electric city. That's a great story. Some of you might have gotten a washing machine from there. The problem was I was asking it to give me something that it wasn't, what it wasn't offering, okay? Solomon's whole thing about vanity, vanity, hevel, it's not that those things are bad. All those things, money, fame, relationships, everything we've named, they actually were created for you. They're actually good gifts for you and I. And Ecclesiastes is going to talk a lot about this. But you were not made for them. And that's very different. They were made for you to enjoy, but you were not made for them. You were made in the image of God. What you were made for is relationship with the Lord of this universe, relationship with Jesus. You were made actually to be his temple. So to, to think that I'm made for fame or I'm made for money or whatever those things is to ask those things to give you something they were never made to do. You were made for God. Those things are made for you to enjoy and then to offer back to God and to bless the world with. And he's going to kind of expose and again and again how we keep flipping those things and how that leads us on a path of foolishness. But it's wise to say, man, it's actually hevel. It's actually hevel because then you'll turn and as you, as you, as you see the complexity of this world, as you see that like the righteous really do die young sometimes, as you see I really can do everything right and my kids sometimes don't turn out right, right? That's why if you take Proverbs as promises, it'll mess you up. Because Proverbs is telling you what you should ordinarily expect, but Ecclesiastes is saying, ah, not always. <laughs> I saw parents who raised kids great, and they turned out horrible. And he's saying it's in that complicated world with all of that stuff, I'm going to meet you with wisdom. Um, so it's 1030. I'll end there. We didn't quite get through, but that's all right. We'll, we'll just, we have like 17 weeks on Ecclesiastes, which is incredibly depressing. So I'm okay if we like stop here and there. <laughs> any, any, any kind of final comments, questions on anything? Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting, Dr. Greg. Yeah, something that makes us miserable can be the high accomplishments of people we're very close to. Um, yeah. Because the truth is, if you're not close to it or if you don't have it, you still, we're still kind of naive and think, yeah, but if I got it, it'd be okay. But if you're around the people that have gotten it, you start to taste the misery. So that's really good. Um, all right, I will uh, close this there. Let me, uh, let me pray. Father, thank you for this book of Ecclesiastes that kind of takes an uncomfortable look at us but meets us in the real world. Uh, and that's good news because uh, you're a uh, God who took on flesh and walked this broken world uh, so that you could be with us. And so would you impart wisdom to us this morning and throughout the semester uh, as we walk with Jesus uh, in a broken and death-filled but beautiful world. In Jesus' name, amen.